0: We are not going to keep the matter in our heart. We are going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about some thoughts I've been having on women's roles. I don't want to rehash all this. It can be old hat. Um, I don't want to come off like I'm riding some kind of hobby. But I I constantly see questions uh, that people are asking online about different things that women can do. And I think this modern society has so skewed the gender roles and has so brainwashed people and, quite frankly, has so lied to women. Women are the victim in this. Now, it affects everybody, but women are the primary victims. We have told in mass this society that women and men are equal. Now, I don't mean equal as in, One is lesser, or I don't mean unequal, as in one is lesser than the other. What I mean is equal is they are not interchangeable, okay? For instance, uh, if I have a half-inch nut, if I have two half-inch nuts, those nuts are equal. They are interchangeable. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one you use. Um, If I have human beings human beings as humans go are interchangeable red yellow black white it doesn't matter which ethnicity you as a human being are equal in other words if i need if i need a worker all things being equal like if i'm going to hire somebody to do a job of work all things being equal as far as skill set and experience and price or you know, as long as you can get the job done adequately, to to my satisfaction, seeing as I'm the one hiring it out, any human being will work. It doesn't matter. That's why it's supposed to be illegal to ask for defining characteristics such as race, creed, religion, all that, sexual preference on a job application. Anyway, um, but my point is, women and men are not equal, as in they're not interchangeable. You, you can't, in other words, you can't have two women raise a child. You can't have one woman raise a child. You can't have two men raise a child. You can't have one man raise a child. Any of those things that I just said are suboptimal for whatever reason you find yourself in that situation. For instance, if you are a man and you have, and I, again, I, I know, I, I know a, f- a friend of mine, his wife, Suddenly and unexpectedly, tragically died, and he was being—he was stuck being a single father. Through no fault of his own, well, that's suboptimal. Those those kids of his needed a mama. Well, he's years later. He's remarried, and, and not too many years. So he, he's he's remarried. But anyway, my point is this: it's suboptimal. So if you if you're a woman, and you hear statistics about. Children raised in single mother households, and you hear people say, "Well, there that that's not good, and it shouldn't happen, and this, that, and the other." It has nothing to do with you as a woman. It has everything to do with the outcome of the child. For whatever reason, it's suboptimal. If you're if 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 you're a man and you just go out there and you get a woman pregnant and you pick the wrong partner and she runs off and you're left with a newborn. You made a poor choice. It's suboptimal. You're a single dad. That's not good. If you're a woman and you are promiscuous and you get pregnant, and you have a child, and you run and 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 your man runs off or never's in the picture. You made a poor choice. That's suboptimal. It still would be better if you had a father in that child's life. That baby needs a daddy. That baby needs a mama. Men and women are not interchangeable. So that's what I mean when I say equal. They're not equal men and women are different. Good morning, Diana Harden. Good morning, Sword and Pearl. Hello to you, Angie B., Terry Crooks, and John Exum. It's good to see everybody. Now, I did that rather long introduction because I'm I'm really going to be talking about how women have roles, women have things that they can do, women have things that they need to do, and so do men. And when we When we mess with that, well, really bad things happen. In fact, it's very possible that the fall of man came about because the man wasn't stepped up leading and the woman wasn't stepped back being submissive. The man was in the submissive position, the feminine position, quite frankly, and the woman was in the masculine position. That's why the serpent came and talked to her. All right. Good morning. Uh, sorry, my glasses. Good morning, Sherry Hickman. Good to see you. And Brian Brian Allen. All right. Before we get into the, the meat of our podcast, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor. Remember, uh, if you have any kind of event or something coming up and you need a social media graphics package or something like that, well. Contact Lindsay, Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a church congregation or any institution for that matter seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches, whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics. Lindsay has got you covered. Reach out through a private message or on, uh, through a private message on Facebook or send an email. To Lindsay Fay Dotson, Lindsay Fay Dotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate both far and wide. Contact Lindsay Dotson at gmail.com today. And if you have, if you want to sponsor the show or sponsor one or two episodes and you want me to read an ad, I promise you I'll do it better. <laughs> I stumbled through that one. It's pretty bad. Uh, Mary Pryor, good morning. And Sword and Pearl said amen. Uh, we have Facebook user. Uh, good morning. And Ange- and Angela Noble, by the way, please keep your weather up there in Texas. Uh, up there, Texas is looking forward to your weather. Angie Noble, I have no control over that. I told the weather to stay up here. I, In fact, I funny conversation. The more I had to get gas, I, I went and got my son, uh, picked him up from work. Uh, it takes forever to do anything up here. Um, I don't think I think he's got his driver's test scheduled for like February the tenth. It's crazy. Um, so he's trying to get that. He's trying to see if they can slide him in sooner. But um, too much story. Anyway, uh, we were getting gas, and uh, I went in to pay. Which oddly enough, a lot of the pumps up here aren't. They're either prepay or you can just pump and go inside. side. Um. So I went inside, and I paid, and uh, this fellow in a very Canadian voice asked how the roads were out there, eh? And I said, well, I said, to, to me, they're fine. I said, but, you know, back home, if we had snow like this, it would be the snowpocalypse. There'd be no milk, bread, or toilet paper on the shelves. Everybody would be holed up. There would be uh, there would be desolation, or, or the streets would be desolate everywhere, and you know you wouldn't be able to find a soul inside everybody be holed up in their caves and we had a good laugh about that um but anyway the um yeah john axon's got a funny post let me read this you can contact kenneth copeland to see if he can conjure up one of those winds to blow the cold back north not really it's sad that he thinks he can do yeah did you see that video of kenneth copeland well, i know you did john i'm asking the others uh, did y'all see that video of Kenneth Copeland during COVID, where he was rebuking COVID and he was blowing COVID away? If you haven't seen that, and listen, I I, I, I know it's probably not it's probably not a virtue to ridicule somebody. I mean, that that's just low hanging fruit. I do believe that we have the right and obligation to ridicule the ridiculous, but that just to ridicule that just seems. It, it's like tony that's just too much that's just you know that, that fella's got some issues and, and I probably don't need to make fun of him anyway I mean, i'm not i'm not rebuking you at all john I, it, it's just funny and then you can't help but laugh but then when you laugh you feel bad it's like laughing at a little kid that falls down or, or likes running you see those videos of a little kid running and they whack run into a glass door and bounce off of it it's hilarious, but then you feel bad for for laughing because you realize, man, that little kid don't know any better. He's just a little kid, and that's what I think of when I think of Kenneth Copeland. It's, oh man, so I've laughed at this, I've made fun of this, but like that's like laughing and making fun of somebody who just can't do any better. Anyway, I'm going to run a, enough of that. But Angie, I tried. That's all I can say. I, it you're just gonna you're just gonna have to put an extra layer on. Um Anyway, let's uh, see. Oh, I didn't know that. Copeland believes we're equal to God. You know, that, that's some old Gnostic stuff. Um. All right. Here's what I want to get into. Here's what I want to talk about. In fact, let me do this number. I'm going to put the tip jar up. Well, hide and watch. I agree 100% with you, but I'm, I'm trying. How do I put this? I don't look at Kenneth Copeland like a little child who's innocent. I look at Kenneth Copeland as somebody—they're nefarious, but they're also low functioning, and I believe they—they they believe that they've got the the people duped. But I don't know. I need to think about how to explain this more. Well, I'm not giving Kenneth Copeland a pass, though. I promise you that. Um. Let me put the tip jar up. Now, I feel a little weird about this. The reason I'm putting the tip jar up, and you can go to at gmail.com if you want to give us a monetary donation, or you can do a $5 a month substack, or you can do Patreon. But um, I'm putting the tip jar up because people have asked. And randomly, we'll get 10 or $15 in the PayPal. So that's great. Thank you so much. It helps just the other day, my boom broke, and I had to go get another, and that was like 130 Canadian. And I didn't have to worry about it because I could just go do it, you know. Anyway, folks, let's get into the meat of the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been, I don't know about y'all, but I get so much out of this. Uh, I love talking about stuff like this and, and just kind of talking, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's soaring. Okay, y'all stop it. No more Kenneth Copeland (laughs) post. The sword, the sword, we got to get in the meat of the podcast. So last Kenneth Copeland post I'm reading. Unless you post a really good one. Kenneth Copeland looks possessed and not by the Holy Spirit. You got that right. Joker scares me. I ain't going to lie to you. There's not much I'm scared of. Anyhow. So I got the tip jar up. Don't forget about that. Um, I am going to, uh, you did it. It is your bad, John. You should feel thoroughly admonished and disheartened and disenfranchised and consider yourself rebuked. Um, let me get this overlay off so we can see the full chat. All right. Now, he, I'm going to read the full text, and then I'm going to pull this point, and we're going to talk about this one word. I'm going to relay to you an exchange that I had with another person, that really took exception to what I was teaching. And the reason you're getting this today is because these ideas have come across that I've seen and they come across quite often. And like one of the questions is, can a woman wait on the Lord's table? So in if, for those of you that are in the United States, you may have a like, well, well, what's the problem? Like you, you this might not resonate with you, but in, in Western culture in the United States and, and the, any 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 congregation I've been in in Canada, the way the Lord's Supper works is, um, if you need more than one person to pass out the plate, like if you're in a ten member congregation, one person gets up in front of the congregation, they pray over the Lord's Supper bread, they pass it out, then they pray over the fruit of the vine and they pass that out. So that's uh, most people that are fundamentalist in Scripture and want to do what God says. And, and have this idea that hey, let's 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 take this and this applies to us. They, they would never put a woman in that position because that is in direct violation to verse eight. I will therefore, that men pray every place, lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. So that violates the prayer. But then they say, well, what about if she if the woman doesn't pray, she doesn't speak and she's simply up in front of the congregation, you say you have a man and two women, and the man takes the Lord's Supper and he prays the prayer and says, You know, we pray that those that partake of this do so in a manner well pleasing in thy sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And he gives two plates, one apiece, to each of these women, and the women go and they serve this bread to the congregation. What in the world could be wrong with that? That doesn't raise red flags, there's no friction. For us to move from our current conviction into a new conviction, why would we not do that other than optics? It would look bad, okay? Well, we don't do it because of the word that Paul used. And if we believe that each word of scripture is important and was not arbitrary, then there is absolutely no authority whatsoever. For women to stand in front of the congregation, be past a plate, and then pass the plate to others. That's really what we're talking about today, all right? And then we'll talk about some things that women are able to do, and I wish women would do more. Um, I really would. I mean, they're doing a whole lot now. A lot of times, these little congregations across rural areas and stuff, the the reason they're still alive is because of women. But I'm talking about specifically and I think I think that women can do a whole lot more than they think they can do and might be doing some things that they shouldn't do. anyway, let's get into it. Verse. i I'm just going I'm gonna read the full context and starting in second Timothy chapter two. I mean first Timothy, let me repeat that. first Timothy chapter two uh, verse eight. I will therefore that men pray everywhere. two different words by the way everywhere, better rendered every place. American Standard 1901 renders it that way. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or or costly apparel, but, which becometh women professing godliness, with good works. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now, there's some some stuff here that I want to talk about but before we get into it, I want to talk about uh, what women, men are men are told they're supposed to pray every place. That that construction there grammatically is it, it the context is every place the church is gathered formally as the church. So I've said this before. I'll say it again till my dying day. Uh, and I'm going to use Aaron Dotson and his wife Lindsay and me and my wife Lebeth. If the four of us have eaten supper together and we're all sitting around and talking and we're talking about the Bible and we'll say my wife, who uh, is very, very studious, she has recently studied something that's fresh in her mind and the conversation turns towards that topic, it's very possible that she guides that conversation and teaches us. Well, that is four members of the church gathered together, and a woman is teaching, okay? That is not in violation to any scripture because we're not gathered together as the church. But if we say, you know what? This is really edifying and really good. Why don't we either where we are around the table or let's retire to the living room and we'll drink coffee and have a Bible study. Then that means, th- then, then, then we have entered into the purview of First Timothy chapter two verse eight. We are in every place, and from that point forward, either Aaron Dotson or myself must take the lead. Now, when it's just us setting down, and when the church is gathered formally, and we're talking, and it's back and forth, and it's open forum. The woman is, if, if, a, if the man calls on her and says, so if, So in that situation, if we're in the living room, and I might say, well, Abeth, you know, whenever we were in there, you were talking about this nuance of this word that you studied in Psalm 37, verse 2, can you tell us more about that? And so she answers my question at my behest. She's not standing up. She's not teaching. She's not taking control of the class. She's not usurping any authority over the men present, all right. Which incidentally, we're going to is usurping the authority of God. Man has no authority in this situation. It's usurping authority over the man. What's the authority of God, all right? the The authority of God says the man should be in the preeminent position. So if a woman takes the preeminent position, she's usurping God's authority over man. All right, so she's God's authority is here. She's usurped it, and now she's over the man. That that's how that works grammatically. Um, because if you think it's usurping man's authority, then what you are affirming, without by what you're saying, without even realizing it, you are affirming that a man could give this woman permission to stand up and speak and preach and teach because she's no longer usurping the man's authority. The problem is that's not that's usurping God's authority. Man has no authority. And John, we're going to get into that in the text. That's exactly what we're going to talk about, silence. Um, all right, so... The woman is to not usurp that authority. What was I getting at later? Um, oh, yeah. Women, men are to be known for the leaders, the ones that are preeminent, the ones that are in the pulpit, this, that, and the other. Women are to be known for their good works. So what is the best way to be known for good works? Make sure that that's the most defining attribute of you. Um, Sherry Hickman, guess who's coming to dinner? I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. I'll have Gene with me. Gotcha. Sherry, I think I missed something. Anyway, Sword and Pearls is so grateful for this topic. Awesome. Um, Thank you very much. So here's, I've said this before, and when I said it, somebody thought it was really good. I'm like, "Wow, I didn't. That's that's cool." Oh, you posted a picture of. Sorry, Sherry, I can't see pictures uh, in the chat. That's weird. Oh man, I hate that. I'd like to see that picture. I'll go look at it after the fact. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want Kenneth Copeland coming to dinner. He scare me. Um. Anyway. So my point is this, here's what I said in the past and it, and it resonated with some folks and they thought it was really cool. And I've never heard anybody make this observation. There is a blessing in comeliness for women. Women, women are beautiful creatures. Men are not described as being beautiful. If, if a man is described as being beautiful, that's almost taken as a, as a knock but if a woman is described as beautiful, that is a, a boon. And a woman that is stunningly physically beautiful, she has to work much harder to be known for good works. All right? Think about, um, okay, think. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, yes, people do get so defensive about this subject. And that's why I really really try to tread lightly and I try to be very careful and I try to really define my terms. So, think about this. From the text, women are they're, they're commanded that it's you need to be known for good works. Well, how are you known for good works? You've got to make sure that your good works are your most defining characteristic. For instance, if on a scale of 1 to 10 in beauty, if you're like a 10, let me, you know, let, let's say that you're Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody really, really beautiful. Regardless of what you think of her as a person or her political statements or something like that, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is stunningly beautiful. Okay, you get to know her and you get you listen to her and you know some of the she's not very beautiful, you know. But it is it's it's hard for her to be known for something besides her beauty. Um, Amber Heard, oddly enough, no matter what you think about her, Amber Heard is like the epitome of objective beauty physically. It is hard for her. She had to work hard to be known as the crazy ex-girlfriend. I mean, it took millions and millions and millions of dollars by Johnny Depp to show in court that he was a victim of her, okay. So if if you're stunningly beautiful, you, it, it's 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 a privilege. It's wonderful, but you're going to have to work doubly hard to make sure that you're known for your good works, as opposed to your beauty. Um, think about that. Uh, if if you're if you're homely, you can you can. It's easier for you to be known for your good works, okay? So just ladies, I want you to think about that. Now, on into the text, uh, that gets us to verse 11. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Uh, this word silence, as John Exon pointed out, he does not mean, Paul does not mean volume. He does not mean that women cannot speak because if it did so broad and authoritative is this statement that the women couldn't leave, or couldn't sing. Um, hey, Hey Alabama says an elder asked a woman a question during announcements and she, and she answered a man that teaches with Don McLean occasionally. Oh, Oh, I got you. A man that teaches with Don McLean occasionally. Caught her in the foyer and gave and gave her down the road for it. That should not be the case. It, f- first off, whenever the announcements are going on before, if it's before the, okay, this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound like well, you're just cutting, you're just you're just uh, splitting hairs. But technicalities matter. A worship service doesn't begin until the worship service begins. Announcements are not part of the worship service. So if you have your announcements before the worship service, you see the language there. If you have the announcements in the beginning, those announcements are before the worship service. Technically, now don't, don't leave this live stream and say that Tony believes that women can get up in front of the church and do things as long as it's not Bible related. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying very, very technically. We're not talking about expedience. We're not talking about good judgment. We're just talking about very technically what is legal, a woman could actually do the announcements. Think about it. Whenever whenever the announcements are going on, it's not the church gathered as the church it's just a group of people about to enter into the bible study or the worship service but the it hasn't nothing has started yet now would it be wise would it be expedient should that happen absolutely not because here's the thing the reason there's something in um argumentation and debate Called the slippery slope fallacy. It's because, my brethren, the slopes are actually slippery, and optics are important. But if an if if an individual doing announcements says, "Oh no, Sister Sarah is in the hospital, and I was supposed to announce her uh, room number, but I don't know." Um, Sally, your Sister Sarah's blood sister, Sally, would you tell everybody? what room your sister's in what biblical verse either implicit or explicit would imply or explicitly state that that woman couldn't answer that question that's right yeah i felt he was wrong to do that to her if he had an issue he should have gone to the elder Is yeah and, and and hey hey alabama normally i would actually push back against that and say no if they had an issue he should have gone to her, but the issue wasn't with her. The issue at that sit in that time was with the elder. The issue was with the elder. He absolutely should have gone to the elder because it was the elder that instigated that. All right, and the and the and there's an imbalance of power there. The elders in charge were, you know, to submit to the elders. So whenever that woman was asked a question, she answered. Look, if an elder from the pulpit, ask me a question and I answer, um, I've, you know, I, in other words, I, I have the same authorization to answer as that woman did. If that makes any sense. Uh, Sherry Hitman said, I agree with you on that point though. I watched a live stream of a church of Christ where a woman did the announcements and then went on to say the opening prayer once you say the opening prayer you're in violation of first first uh, Timothy 2 8 um, I felt that was beyond what scriptural yes it was actually and we need elders who eld and deacons who deak that's it incidentally um always oh, uh, Kenneth Townsley uh, he preached a wonderful sermon I'll never forget his points how do we stop a lot of the turmoil and strife and contention in the Lord's church four points. We need elders who lead, deacons who serve, preachers who preach, and members who seek. Elders who lead, deacons who serve, preachers who preach, and elders who seek, and if you, and, and members who seek. If you got those four, you're not going to have any contention in the congregation. I've always wondered if men can read religious books or papers that women have written Uh, yes, they absolutely can. And I'll tell you why. Um, or if that's considered teaching a man, uh, if once my boys are baptized, can I still teach them in the home that to to the third question? Yes, you absolutely can. But, uh, to the middle question, no, it absolutely doesn't. So I've always wondered if men can read religious books or papers, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, that women have wrote. Yes, you can because once that is written, it's out in the ether. That is not the woman teaching or usurping authority over the man. In other words, she's not active in that. She she is a passive participant through the medium of the uh, of the of the platform. For instance, this is this is a difficult one. This has come up before. What if a woman wanted to do a live stream? And the, 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 the ah, pretense is a bad word. Y'all help me out with another word besides pretense. The, the pre- it's not pretense, the content. Anyway, the, 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 the live stream show is intended for women only, but a man wants to come into that live stream audience and listen. Well, if she's teaching the Bible, is she in sin now because a man showed up? Well, the answer is no because again, that woman is putting it out there. it's for a live stream for women, but the man is in there. The woman is not really teaching the men and I hate to say it, the woman is not really teaching the women. The woman is putting material out there and it's now in the ether and it's not that the woman is teaching these people. she's just live streaming. These people are going to her or going to her live stream. You see, she's not really there. She's the the people are going to the live stream to learn. Now, once that live stream is archived, somebody six months later may watch it. Well, that's that's the same. That falls under the same purview. Um, let me sip. A, let me sip my cup. All right. Um, so I hope hopefully that answers your question. Now. If if once my boys are baptized, can I still teach them in the home? Uh, you could even teach them in a Bible class. You could even teach them in a Bible class. A, a woman can teach baptized boys until they become men. Why do I say that? Because of the ambiguity of Scripture. A lot of times we talk about uh, when we talk about liberty in Christ. When there's ambiguity, there's liberty. Where, where there's silence, there's liberty. The only place where scripture is binding is when scripture is specific. Okay. Um, my wife said Lebeth had a had that issue when she was live streaming. A male was often listening too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so she can either she can either kick him out, or it can just be understood like, look. You being here is in violation of no scripture. Um, I would rather you not be here because there would be people with tender consciences that would have issue with it. But anyway. um, Oh, yeah, that's awesome. LaBeth said, oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, Hey, hey, Alabama. LaBeth taught in her live stream and a young man came in and said she can't do that. She told him that it was for women and asked him to leave the live stream. (laughs) <laughs> that's, my, that's my spouse we 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 could go to war together um hide and watch as i'm on my congregation security team and often i'm posted near the entrance near the ladies class and usually can hear it better than the speaker coming from the auditorium that's a good good comment to to wrinkle our brains a little are you going to hell Because you're listening to that woman, if what what is saying? Let me let me go even farther. Let's say that that woman is you're you're hearing. She's not teaching you anything ninety percent of the time because you already know it all. I'm not saying that in a sarcastic way. I'm just saying now. But what if one day, as you're listening, she teaches you something you didn't know? Are you in sin at that point, and is she in sin at that point? even though you're not in the group to whom she is speaking you know that's a good that's a it's a good question to consider it's a very good question to consider um, i feel like there's some there was something from hold on a second let me get when i do announcements i conclude them with we now will begin our worship in song. Yep. And I do not think a woman would usurp authority if she said amen while the sermon is being preached. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians 14. She absolutely wouldn't. Uh, could the issue be in congregations that accept women preachers or leaders a matter of the men not stepping up in their role as elders and deacons to stand on the matter? Yes. I th- that, that it, In fact... If you look at the whole scope of feminism and modernity, and we're already on like fourth wave feminism, where feminism now is not just, hey, women don't need to be treated like cattle. Okay. Fourth wave feminism, you went from, hey, women don't need to be bought and sold and treated like cattle to um, women need men like a fish need a bicycle and men are evil and misogynistic. And women have no accountability for anything in this society anymore, uh, because this society has turned exclu- exclusively almost gynocentric. Well, that has crept into the church, and that's why we have these podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, but hide and watch, man. That's an awesome. That's an awesome. Uh, that's an awesome thing to consider. I tell you something that uh, that used to kind of rub me the wrong way until I. Until I thought more about it, is on a website seeing a woman be um, in charge of the uh, curriculum for the young, young children. And they call her some type of like cradle role minister or uh, young children's minister or something like that, and using that word minister. And that used to crawl all over me. I was like, well, I can't believe that. uh Oh, yeah, John, I want to talk more about that. Good comment. I "I, I can't believe they would give that woman a leadership role. Folks, now I want you to lean in and listen to this. This is going to be controversial, and it might not penetrate because of cognitive dissonance, selective perception, selective exposure. There's nothing in scripture that says women cannot lead or hold leadership positions in the church. Can the eldership come to a woman who is qualified and say, listen, we have 27 children from ages just born up to six years old? You're a kindergartner teacher. You've. You, you oversee the running of daycares, and you are very good at what you do. And we want you to be in charge under our leadership. We want you to be in charge of the curriculum and how those classes are run and organized. And we would like a, a quarterly, we would like a year breakdown by quarter of We want you to organize the teachers. We want you to organize the class, the curriculum, and how those children are taught, and all this, that, and the other. And we want you to bring it to us whenever you get that organized so we can look at it and sign off on it. What is the problem with that? There's no problem whatsoever. And why do I know that? Well, because of Phoebe. Phoebe was a special servant that the end of the book of romans is a letter of commendation by paul to phoebe she's a deaconess when she gets there put her to work let her let her do what she's good at that's not first off that's not being a deacon like a formal deacon that that serves the lord and serves the congregation but that is this this woman is she she has a she has a talent, whatever whatever it was that Phoebe was able to do. Paul said, "Use her," because she's good at it. That would be the same scenario as um, a woman who, uh, let let's say, she is in a in a uh, her secular career was managing daycares, and so this this woman has this particular area of expertise. Put her to work. Put her to work. Now, what do you call her if it isn't a minister? If she's serving the church, folks, she's a minister. And I have scriptural, um, I have scriptural example of that, not of a she, but of a he. So um, let me let me go to my trusty e sword. I'm going to search. I'm going to search the New Testament. M I N I S T E R because I can't remember where this is, but it's in the T epistles to Timothy, um, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians. Come on. Um, Right here. 1 Timothy 4, 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You know what that word minister is there? It's diakonos, the exact same word that is used formally for the deacons in, uh uh-oh, Titus or Timothy. Guys, help me out. It's got to be Titus. Anyway, uh, no, it's not. (laughs) I got to go read it. But you you get the idea. They're, They're the formal husband of one wife deacon's. Um, Timothy wasn't, as far as we know, at this point, an elder. He wasn't, as far as we know, an actual uh, a formal deacon. But Paul said, if 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 you if you form the function of what you're supposed to do well and do these things, you're going to be a deacon. You're going to be a good deacon. You're going to be a good diaconos, a good servant, a good minister. And I think Scott Beck hit the nail on the head. Sometimes we get hung up on titles, so. When I looked at this website, there was this woman who was the young children's minister and they, young cradle roll something, nursery minister or something. And uh, I was like, well, man, that's terrible. That's a woman in a leadership position. Yeah, it is. But it's a woman in a leadership position that is not usurping God's authority. And it's not usurping authority of God over a man, you know? All right, and the way we know that is because we come back to the text and she's not violating anything in First Timothy chapter 2, all right? Now, let's go to this, let a woman learn in silence with all subjection. I want to get into this, and I've got some notes for it. Uh, Thayer, uh, one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master and a servant, attendant or minister. That's it. That's it. Let me see if, uh, let me make sure I, I, I didn't miss any, uh, comments that I wanted to get to. Okay. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Uh, now this word silence translates a term in Greek, hesukia. The primary meaning of hesukia is quietness, stillness calmness or peacefulness it can refer to a state of tranquility being at rest and devoid of disturbance or turmoil in a broader sense it encompasses the idea of living a life characterized by peaceful by a peaceful and quiet spirit yeah good deal um Mary Pryor, yes, I see Jonathan answered you, but yeah, my answer is yes, but I want to read this. Uh, Does minister mean much the same as serve? A ministering as ministering to the sick means serving the needs of the sick. Absolutely, absolutely. Women, ladies, listen up to this. You need a ministry. Women are much better at certain things than men. You need a ministry, and your ministry needs to revolve around those feminine things that you are much better at than men. Got me? Don't let anybody take away your ability to serve God. But by God in heaven, don't usurp his authority and do more than you should. And that's the same. Men, you need a ministry, personal ministry, and it needs to revolve around the things that you're good at. So with the difference in but the biological difference between men and women, if the congregation where you are in uh, Northwest, in the mountains where the logging is taking place, If your ministry is to go out and cut trees for people to help them, that probably needs to be more of a male driven thing instead of a woman driven thing. Anyhow, I've started to do word studies, not good at it, but thanks for that suggestion. Awesome. Hey, Hey Alabama. So, uh, let's, let's look in the new Testament where the, the, the word Hazel is used and look at their context. Now, here, here's what I said. Etym- etymologically, the word hesuchia is made up of two words, and I think I think the Holy Spirit, through Paul's pen, uses the, this on purpose because of the nuance that can be garnered from an etymological study. It means to be sat down and to be still and not drawing attention to oneself. And I propose. That no matter how you slice it, you cannot allow a woman to be up in front of the congregation passing out the Lord's Supper implements and be in line with the term Hesukia. She shall be saved in childbearing. We're gonna we're we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about that. Um, and I I wouldn't say this. Oh, sorry. Look, buddy, this is a good lesson here. I scanned your comment, Mary, and I changed it in my brain. Let me, I'm going to read it the way I changed it in my brain. Mary didn't say this. This is the way I read it in the first place. And I almost responded to what I thought she said instead of what she actually said. She shall be saved in childbearing. Only women bear children, and this is only this is the only way to help the church grow. And and my 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 interpreted it that that way, and I thought, well, that's not the only way women can help the church grow. But then, luckily, I glanced at it again. She shall be saved in childbearing. Only women bear children, and this is one way to help the church grow. Folks, let this be a lesson to all of us. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Now, I wouldn't angry at the comment, but be slow to wrath as well. But that that's buddy, that's a little sobering. Um anyway, thank you for that comment and and it was serendipitous the message that the lesson that we could garner from it. Uh from my from my mistake. But yes, 100% agree with that statement. One hundred percent agree with that statement. Now, this word hesukia, Here's the here here's here's the pushback that this fella. Um, I am going to let. I want to let that commentary copy and paste stand for itself, John. Thank you for sharing. Um, here here's here's the argument, the pushback. I say that a woman can't pa- pass out the implements of the Lord's supper without violating what. The, the definition of the term uh, hey, uh absolutely. Yeah, my eyes play tricks like that on me too. LOL. If it makes no sense, I go back and read it again. Yes, yeah, it's just a thousand wonders. I glanced at it again before I made, before I answered the the comment that you absolutely didn't make. Um, so you you can't you can't let a woman wait on the Lord's table and her being compliance with the the use of the term hesukia. But this person said, Well, you're 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 taking an etymological study and you're defining the term by its etymology, not its usage. And like, that's not, and I couldn't convince him, that's not what I'm doing. I'm simply using that as a supporting argument for my proposition. But that's not the be all end on. Now let's look at the way the word is used in the New Testament, uh, 1 Timothy 2 2. For kings and for all, so who for, for whom are we supposed to pray and give thanks? Uh, well, all men, for kings, for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So in First Timothy 2, 2, the word Hezekiah is used to describe a peaceful and quiet life which Christians are encouraged to lead, marked by godliness and honesty. Now, what I'm doing is I am taking the definition of the term, of of, of a of a valid and reasonable usage of the term, and applying it to First Timothy two eight, or or two eleven rather. And this person that said I'm 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 def- I'm, I'm defining it by its etymology instead of its usage. He is applying the usage in two to the usage in 2.11. Well, you can't do that any more than I can hyper-focus on one aspect of the usage of the term. It's got to be reasonable. It's got to be, it, it does the context demand or does the context allow the definition, the, the usage of this term in this way? So, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, which we're talking about now. Uh, The term heselkia is applied to the demeanor expected of women in the church, learning in quietness and full submission. This usage has been a focal point in discussions about the role of women in church settings. Okay? So remember, it's it's applied the term here is applied to the demeanor expected of women in church in the church learning in quietness and full submission if if it is the case that paul commands men everywhere every place topos to lift holy hands without wrath and doubting then the people who were supposed to be praying and Incidentally, if Paul commands women to learn, implicitly there is a command to the men to teach. A woman is to learn in this way, and a man is to teach. A woman is not allowed to teach. There's no authorization for that, and she's even supposed to learn in this way. But she cannot learn in quietness and full submission. If she is teaching, because she is not in quietness when she is teaching. Okay. Now, how do I know that? Well, we're going to look at more usages of the term in the New Testament. Acts chapter 22, verse 2. This is the one. Okay. Well, first off, let's don't end there. Let's go to Second Thessalonians 3.12. Um, I'll just flip backwards here. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.12. That ye may walk honestly towards those that are without, that ye may have lack of nothing. That's first Thessalonians three twelve. So now that you know what First Thessalonians three twelve says, let's look at uh second uh, Thessalonians, let's look at first. First Thessalonians three twelve. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Now, even in the context of 2 Thessalonians 3.12, if you're going to work in quietness, earning your own bread, you're not going to do anything to draw attention to yourself. You're not going to do anything to differentiate yourself from the masses. Folks, using that definition of the term, when a woman gets up and lays on the Lord's table, she is differentiating herself from the congregation. She is no longer within the scope of Heisukia. She is Anna Hezekiah, or Ana, or Anasukia. I guess is how you pronounce it. Anyway, the Greek preposition a for that negates. So she is no longer in Heisukia. She is whatever the word for the opposite of Heisukia is. Now, to me, here's the nail in the coffin of this argument and this this accusation that I am wrong in, in in saying the usage of the term in 2 Timothy 11 and 12 disallows women standing up in front of the congregation for any reason while the church is formally gathered as the church. Acts 22, 2. Let's go to Acts 22, 2. And I'll try to read the right verse the very first time for this one. And we're almost done. Um, Acts chapter 22, verse 2. Listen to this. And when they heard that he, that's Paul, spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept more silence, and he saith. All right. Let me take a sip of coffee and, and explain my thinking on this. You have Paul addressing an audience. Whenever they heard that he spoke Hebrew, pardon my bluntness, they shut up and turned their attention to him. And they focused on him and they weren't milling around. They weren't talking amongst each other. The Generally speaking, they were focused on him. What would it take... For somebody to not be heisukia well, if if they stood up and took the attention from Paul and put it on them, they would the crowd then would be no longer quote unquote heisukia There would be a, a disorganization. There would be chaos. If if somebody started talking while Paul was talking there would be no hesukeia folks we can apply this to the assembly first timothy chapter 2 11 and 12 so how in the world can we say that a woman is hesukeia now here here let me let me go back to our text in first timothy but i suffer a woman to but i suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. She cannot teach. She cannot get up. She cannot differentiate herself from the crowd. She's got to be in silence. She's got to be in Heisukia. Now, how, how, how does she become not in Heisukia? If she gets up and draws attention to herself, you go, you, uh, you get up and go get the Lord's Supper and start passing it out, you're drawing attention to yourself. Now, somebody inevitably says, Well, so you're telling me that if if I'm on one end of the pew and she's on the other, and the man and she's sitting down and the man's standing up, and the man hands her the Lord's Supper tray with a bread, if she leans over but it's not far enough, so she stands up and takes three steps over to me and hands out, then gives me the plate. Are you saying that she's in sin and going to hell? All I'm saying is according to the usage of the term, if she differentiates herself from the crowd, if she no longer is still and quiet and doing things orderly in a manner that does not, dis- in, in a manner that distracts, from what is going on and distracts from the people that are actually supposed to be standing up and taking the preeminent position that she's in violation of the scripture. Is her raising her bum out of the pew and leaning over and handing the plate to somebody that's too far away um, uh, uh, violate that Heisukia? That's a conversation to be had, but it's not a conversation to be had on a live stream. It's a conversation to be had in the local setting, because I say that that is different because somebody sounded just like they fell. I hope everything's okay. Anyway, um... Because I, I say it's different, I think the scripture treats it, as, treats it as different. Because she's not standing up, taking attention. In other words, if if she raises her bum and leans over and hands you that plate, if you hyper focus on that, that's a you that's a you problem. But if when it's time to preside with the Lord's supper, if you have a man presiding with the Lord's supper, and you have two women, one on his left, one on his right. Well, you can't help but notice that. And again, she has purposefully and with forethought and intent violated Hezekiah by not being still and quiet. And I don't think that I am falling into an etymological fallacy with this word Hezekiah. I think that the way it's used throughout the New Testament, I'm defining it correctly. And that would preclude then women from... Doing the the sign language interpretation that would preclude women from um, standing up beside the preacher while he's preaching and doing the um, the translation from the, net, the 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 language of the preacher into the language of the audience. Now I'm not saying that she couldn't do that stuff. I'm not saying that. Oh, I sure can. Um, it is, let, let me give you my, let me give my trusty rush to Esau, and I'll just give you the, 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 um, I'll give you the, um, Strong's number, but I'm covering out a one, but being be inside. It's g two two seven one. that's a Strong's number, g two two seven one. uh, you, well, okay, so, hey, 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 Sukizo is, um, is the verb form of Heisukia. Uh, Heisukizo is the um is the present active indicative first person uh form of that word, okay? Um but H E S U C H I A. Uh Let me go here to my notes. So uh, The cognate of the Greek word heisachia used in the New Testament, um, a cognate is a word that is the same linguistic derivation or derivation as another word. In the case of uh, heisachia, its cognates include words derived from the same root, also sharing similar theme of quietness, calmness, stillness. One notable cognate is or Hesikazo, which means to be quiet or to live quietly. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.11 uh, is where that term is found, and to study to be quiet and to do your own business and work with your own hands as we have commanded you. So the the Christians there in Paul's day were uh, encouraged to show brotherly love and do it all the more, but you also need to give diligence to living a life Where you are not trying to differentiate yourself from the masses, where you're not trying to draw undue attention to yourself. And, uh, yeah. So, did that answer your question, Scott? Um, that, that Greek, that Greek, that Strong's Greek number may be better for you 2271. Um, yep, yep, yep. All right. Good deal. I think that's got all the material. Um, as we're wrapping up here, is there any questions? Uh, is Is there any is there any questions on uh, anything that I've said that you'd like to to ask before we go? Um, there may be some things that i fragmented because of the nature of the live stream. Uh, I don't, I don't. Sometimes I'll start a point. I, I notice I do it more as I get older. I start a point and then I I fragment it. I don't, I take a comment and I don't come back. But um, I tell you what, let me, while I'm waiting for y'all's questions, if you have any, if you don't, that's fine. I'm going to go and I'm going to see how many times uh, and study to be quiet. Hey, Shakizo. Okay. It it occurs seven times in scripture. Um, Now, let me see if I can let me do this boop Luke 14:4 4, and they held their peace and he took him and healed him and let him go All right so whoops Where's my sword? All right so held Acts 11:18 When they heard these things they held their peace and glorified God saying Then saith then hath God also to the gentiles granted repentance unto life Luke 14 Oh, I already got that. Luke 14:4, 4, Acts 8:11, uh Acts 21:14. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, "The will of the Lord be done." So we ceased. That's as Hesekiel Um 1 Thessalonians 4:11 I've already read. Luke 23:56, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment quizo rested um, I agree that sound hermeneutics should interpret uh, based on the usage of the word rather than etymology or even dictionary meaning but this does not discredit the entirety of uh, etymology or the dictionary correct um, is the principle same as we have in first 1 Corinthians 1435 through36. It seems to me the principles are the same. Let me check. I think I know what you're talking about. But let me check that. First uh, Corinthians. Whoops. First Corinthians 14, 35. This, this is a good, this would be a good one. All right. First Corinthians 14 is very interesting. And Ajit and, Tumobi, uh, I do not know. I do not know if this is what you're talking about. I do not know the principle you're talking about, but let me just let me just explain this real quick. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, is this broadly applied to every woman in the assembly? Folks, you've got hermeneutically, you have to you have to answer the question of Who is them? Okay. Who is them? Normally, if we are going to find the antecedent of a pronoun, we go to the nearest antecedent. And really and truly, it should be the nearest reasonable antecedent. Let me tell you why I say reasonable. All right. Tony and Maslow went to the park. And Maslow pooped under a tree, all right, Tony and Maslow went to the park, and he pooped under a tree, how would you interpret the pronoun he, so who pooped under the tree, would that be Tony, or would that be Maslow? well, depending upon what you think of me, you might say, well, Tony, that could go either way, all right, Practice First th- Corinthians 13 and love me and, and think the best of me. I will not poop under trees unless I have to. This sentence, the nearest antecedent is Maslow. So Tony and Maslow went to the park. He pooped under the tree. Tony and Maslow went to the park. Maslow pooped under the tree. That's fine. Those are equal. Nobody would say that you're wrong. But what if I talked like this and the story was more dog-centric? Hey, did you know that Maslow and Tony were at the park and he pooped under the tree? According to the rule, the nearest antecedent to he is Tony. Hey, Maslow and Tony went to the park and he pooped under the tree. If I, if I follow dogmatically and strictly the nearest antecedent, period then i could say hey maslow and tony went to the park and tony pooped under the tree bad maslow that's it bad tony if tony pooped under the tree anyway um so in order to find the antecedent of a pronoun it's the nearest reasonable antecedent so if i say the question if i say the statement. Uh, Maslow and Tony were at the park and he pooped under a tree. Well, reasonably, dogs, statistically speaking, poop in parks, parks more than humans. So it's reasonable then to say that that nearest antecedent that's reasonable is Maslow and not Tony. Why do I say that? Well, verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 14, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Who is the, What is the nearest reasonable antecedent to them? Well, folks, there is not one. The nearest reasonable antecedent is another pronoun. Verse 14, verse 34. Uh, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. All right? We got to find, then, the nearest reasonable antecedent to your to figure out who these women are. Well, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches. That's not it. Oh, wait a second. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Well, that might be the nearest reasonable antecedent to your. That's a possessive pronoun, by the way. So whose women are under consideration then? It's the women of the prophets. And actually, it, it, it's broader than that because you go back up to 31, then you go back up to 30. Oh, wait a second. I need to go all the way back to verse 29. Let the prophets... Speak two or three and let the other judge. So the folks that had a foretelling or a forth telling in this assembly, whenever they spoke, well, the wives of these people speaking were supposed to shut up and ask their husbands at home about what they spake. This is not applying to all women. This is only applying to the wives of the prophets who were preaching in this assembly. For a 21st century analog, I am prophesying when I preach. I'm not foretelling miraculously, nor am I forth miraculously. I am forth because I studied this lesson and now I'm telling forth the will of God. My wife is to be quiet and not interrupt me, not try to clarify, not try to correct. And if she needs, if she's confused about what I'm saying, she needs to learn at home from me. Now, that does not allow women who are not my wife to speak up. falls under the purview of 1 Timothy chapter 2. But especially the wife of the person preaching, she's not to be disruptive and disruptive one. I have heard some women say, I don't want to be a member of the church of Christ because they don't allow women to do anything. I think that it's because they've only heard lessons on what we can't do. There is, no, there is so much God tells us to do that we have trouble finding time to get it all done. Let me tell you something. Uh, I, I was hit square in the face with this at camp one year. I was preaching to uh, the the students, and they separated the students by age, but also by boys and girls. So there was like 120 kids at this camp. And all of my girl classes, um, I, I remember my, my sermon to this day. It was how to... Um, how to live a life or how to be, how to be, how to be confident about your life in Christ at the end of your life. Well, make sure you, you, you live a life of faith. Uh, I I took it all from Paul. Maybe I can't remember my points. (laughs) Um, you got to press toward the mark. You got to preach the gospel and you got to do something else. But anyway. The idea was you, you faithfully, faithfully proclaim the gospel. And I, I looked at these women, these young girls. I said, ladies, young girls, I want to tell you something. Every one of you in here need to be preachers. And they just looked at me with wide eyes. I said, nobody's ever told you that, have they? I said, listen to this. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if it is the case that the apostles are supposed to make disciples disciples, and they're supposed to teach the disciples the things that they were taught. One of the things that they were taught is to make disciples. How do you make disciples without teaching people publicly and from house to house, or at least teaching people from house to house? You've got to teach people. You've got to preach. You've got to herald the word. You're evangelist, ladies. The Great Commission applies to you. Do you have uh, Do you have the ability? To conduct a Bible study and lead a Bible study, you're called to do that. That's what you're supposed to do. Why does it fall on the men only? A lot of times, women are much more effective personal evangelists than men. That which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Um, it just popped into my head uh, I suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man. That word is aner. That's a man, that's male as opposed to female. Some great women, including my lady, are great teachers. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Now that word aner in first Timothy chapter two is man as opposed to woman. Some people say it's, it's grown man as opposed to grown woman. Some people say that it's just male as opposed to female. I will tell you this. Years ago, I spent, I, I dedicated 20 hours. I did deep research etymologically on this term. It's not decisive it very well can be interpreted as male as opposed to female of any age or it can be interpreted as man grown man opposed to grown woman if it if it interprets if it if the definition if if the right definition is man grown man as opposed to grown woman then a woman can teach a class of baptized males who are still boys but if it is male as opposed to female then a 10-year-old boy who's baptized into Christ can no longer be taught by a woman i put forth to you that because of the ambiguity of the term we have the freedom from one congregation to another because of expediency to apply that as the eldership sees fit now to the second timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2, the word there is anthropos, which if you understand the study of anthropology, is mankind. And many of our modern translation, no, that's a lie. Some of our modern translations, one or two that I've found, uh, render that as persons or people. That which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same. Commit thou to faithful persons or people who were able to teach others also, folks. Ladies, you 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 fall under that purview. I'm an apostle and I teach Bob the gospel and I say now you got to teach others, it's your responsibility. I'm an apostle in the 1st century and I teach Sally the gospel. Well, look, you can't teach others because you're a woman, so the Great Commission doesn't apply to you. Y'all okay with that? That sound like it makes any sense to you? It don't make any sense to me. So when I look at First Corinthians chapter 14, I see a very special context of probably what is analogous to uh, Wednesday night service in Western culture. It's just miracles are happening in this one and the people who have a revelation from god who would stand up and preach their women were to shut up stop talking however whenever um whenever um uh, let me do this however if there is somebody there in that assembly who listens to what they say and they say amen, whether that's a man and a woman, they can affirm their agreement with what is being said by hearty amen. Listen, um, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. If not, when you bless with the Spirit, how shall... He that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest. Let me explain some basic rules of grammar and literature. Up until about five minutes ago, in literature, grammar, the rule was if you're going to use a pronoun and the gender is not specified or important, you use the you default to the masculine pronoun. However, in the Greek, this could be rendered, else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall they that occupy the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing they understandeth not what thou sayest. There is no masculine there, there there is no gender pronoun here. There's no gender word. It's 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 males or females can say amen whenever the preacher makes a good point. Or a mediocre point. But if you say Amen at everything, then the preacher don't know what to keep doing older women can and should teach younger women Titus 2 so women can teach indeed we in the church of Christ should emphasize this absolutely and incidentally again I stress if you got a congregation and you've got a class of 12 year olds six boys six girls if all of those kids are baptized that woman can still teach because she's not teaching men she's teaching boys now here, here's what you've got to be careful of here uh, don't, don't bind your matters of expedience on another congregation um, baptism does not make a boy a man it absolutely does not um, let me think so there is a definite line of demarcation there, There are three logical laws. The law of the excluded middle, the law of identity, and the law of rationality, all right? We're dealing with the law of the excluded middle. You have either a boy or a man. There is nothing that's ever been on the earth that has been part boy and part man. There's always a line of demarcation. That's the law of the excluded middle, the law of identity a boy is not a man, and a man is not a boy, that's, you think, well, Tony, that's too simple to even, no, you'd be surprised. Now, Scripture is very clear that there's a line of demarcation between boy and man. Scripture is not clear on where lies that line of demarcation. So the younger the boy the younger the baptized boy, the less controversy you're going to have. The older the baptized boy, the less controversy you're going to have on both sides. All right. So, for instance, somebody who's eighteen, who's con- eighteen or nineteen, who is considered to be uh, 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 the age of majority in. Uh, the United States of America, in other words, they can go off and die for their country. I would say that a woman does not, it's very pretty cut and dry to me. Uh, My wife doesn't need to teach a class of 18 and 19 year olds. Although I very often make a good case for the line of demarcation between boy and man is 20. Uh, Sword and Pearl, it's absolutely okay. You are first off. You're not. Uh, you're not under the purview of First Timothy chapter two verse eight. So you're not in a place where the church is gathered formally. Uh, you're in the privacy of your own home. Or I say that you're in the privacy of your own home. You are in a public. I mean, you could be in a library. It doesn't matter where you are, but you're you're by yourself and you're reading, and you're just putting that out there. You're not. You're not usurping God's authority in any way. Um but anyway I I hope I've covered this well. Um I make the I make the case often that the the line of demarcation between man and boy is 20. Go back and look at the Old Testament. 20 in fact um 20 years old and upward it's a good it's it's a it's a good case to be made. I am not making that case. But it's a good case to be made that the line of demarcation between boy and man And the line of demarcation between the age of accountability and innocence, it's the same line. 20 years old and upward. If you were 19, you got to enter into the promised land when you were 60, well, 61. If you were 20, you died in the wilderness. You didn't live past 61. 20 years old and upward. 20 years old and upward, you got to serve in the army. 20 years old and upward, you got to help at the temple. If you're 19, you don't have to. All right. Thank you so much, Scott Beck. Good job explaining what is often a sticky subject. That's absolutely the case. Uh, sword and pearl i'm gonna go i didn't know you had a youtube channel i want to check out your youtube channel listen to you read the psalms um and 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 i'll be perfectly fine with that <laughs> hopefully you're fine with it anyway um folks that's that's all i've got today i i have thoroughly enjoyed this um i love talking about stuff like this i do have an explainer video coming out that i'm i'm putting the finishes touch it finishing touches i don't know when to be out um about uh the washing of feet um and is that something we should be doing today is it literal washing of feet and the reason i'm doing that is because somebody asked about it and i can't remember who but i have not i have not forgotten about you folks i appreciate every one of you this has been tony with cogitations I hope I've said something here that's informed you and edified you. Hopefully, I may have cleared something up for you. Um, Oh, (laughs) uh, Ted Knight, that's absolutely okay. Whenever you said, my lady, I knew exactly who you was talking about. I knew it was you, Uh, and I'm glad you're here. And uh, Sword Pearl says, yay. Thanks so much, Tony. Love you all, and have a great day. Will do. Will do. Guys, don't forget to subscribe. To uh, cogitations podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to our Substack. Don't forget to do the tip jar. Uh, don't forget about us on Twitter. Man, there's just all kinds of stuff. Um, I'll put this up before I go. There's where we all are. Substack if you want to support us. Tip jar if you want to do a one time support. You also do Patreon. But remember, like, subscribe, and share on that YouTube. It blows my mind just how many people watch. On YouTube. I never, to me, this is a huge YouTube channel now, you know, 147 subscribers. Uh, we've, we've had 30, uh, we've had an average of 25, uh, at one time we hit 29 people, but we've got 15 people watching on YouTube. Thank you ever so much for that. And remember you can be the algorithm for us, share the content, interact with the content and invite the people to see the content. Share it on your social media, Substack, YouTube. God bless every one of you. This has been Tony Birth Cogitations. We'll catch you on the flip side.